Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. We're kicking off a series today, and uh, honestly, it's being launched from Psalm 27.4. And um, I read this a few weeks ago, and, and this has been resonating with me about his presence, his very nature. His, his presence transforms things, and, and, and there's something about the essence of God's presence. He's not a distant God. He's not just a man who came to the earth and, and, and died on a cross. That's his greatest accomplishment, and that connects us to eternity, of course. But the thing is, his Holy Spirit indwells in us. His Holy Spirit is still living on the earth. His Holy Spirit is still a person as well. And we get to, 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 to abide in him. And there's something about his presence. And, and, and David, here, here he's in this land. And when he's writing this song, when he's writing this, this psalm, he's, he's in this place. Now, now when he wrote this, the, the time period was when Saul was trying to murder him. And he had to go from one country, uproot his family, and go all the way to another country. All right? And, and, and here's the thing. In, in, in order to avoid murder of him and his family. Now, obviously, bad situation, bad circumstance, in distress. And here's the thing that, that David writes. One thing I have asked the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Listen, all this is going on and all this chaos. And, and he could have said, you know, been writing a song about safety and God being a fortress and, and all these things. But here's the thing he's writing about, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that I may gaze on his beauty, that I may seek after him in his temple, that I may host his presence. That's what he's saying, that I may encounter him. This one thing I desire isn't safety for my family, isn't, isn't kingship, it isn't the royal priesthood of, of, of being king and reigning and ruling in the land. It was that I may dwell in his presence. I may dwell with him. I may live with him. I may be with him. I may experience him. This one thing. And it's amazing that in his presence, all everything else disappears. Have you ever noticed that you get so filled up in prayer or, or you begin to worship or, or you come from a service and, and all of a sudden what you thought was big in your life or you thought what was going bad in your life or, or, or this issue or this financial problem, then all of a sudden it disappears. Why? Because his presence is so much bigger than any issue we'll ever have. His presence is so much bigger than any other problem that we'll, that we'll ever have. His, his presence actually consumes us in such a way that everything else seems so small. It's the thing with, with the storms going around in the boat and the disciples are spazzing out and they're like, oh man, Jesus, you need to rebuke this storm. And he actually rebukes them for not doing it themselves because he's given us all the authority and the power. So he comes up and he speaks to the wave and he speaks to the wind directly and he says, you know, be still, stop. Here's the thing, that's what he's saying, his presence. And, and, and in the word, there's a couple other verses here. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasure forevermore. Isn't that just beautiful and poetic? Like, like David's getting it. David, I believe, like David, in my opinion, was one of the most successful kings in the Bible. 
And it wasn't, and, and, and in my opinion, it wasn't because he could slay a giant. It wasn't because, you know, he could kill a bear or a lion. That obviously created the character needed to, to battle and be a warrior to be a good king. But here, in my opinion, why David was the greatest king of all time was because of this. First off, he knew the submission and honor. He had an honor piece in his heart. When Saul's trying to murder him, he cuts a hem of his garment and then is convicted by it and returns it. A man trying to kill him and he was, he was convicted by proving that he was there and could have killed him. He's convicted by that and returns it. Here's the other thing. I think the greatest thing is that David was a worshiper. He knew how to host his presence. He knew how to edify the king. He knew how to worship. He knew how to lift up his eyes to heaven and, and worship and bless Jesus. He, he knew how to do this. And, and in this verse, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand, our pleasure forevermore. In Exodus 33, 14, there's another verse on presence. And he said, my presence will go with you. How many know that that's a promise for you? That's a promise for us. That's, his presence will go with us no matter where we are. Listen, Christ in us, the hope of glory. No matter where we are, Jesus is with us. No matter where we are, his Holy Spirit dwells in us, through us, and around us. He is reigning and ruling forevermore. He, he, he's, he's interceding on our behalf. He's, go, he's already gone before us. Like he is advocating for us. He's contending for you. He's contending for your circumstance. He's contending for your marriage, for your kids, for your grandkids. Like he's already went before you and his presence is here all the time. So, so here's the promises, my presence will go with you. So, so when we think we're all alone and we think we can't get through this mess and we think that, oh man, there's no other way out or, or whatever it might be, like you're not alone. You're, you're never alone. That's the beautiful thing about serving Jesus and him living in our hearts is, is he's closer than a brother. He's our best friend. He's, he's Yahweh. He's daddy. He's, he's, he's prince of peace. He's all these things and he's the beginning and the end. He's the mighty one. He is a fortress. He's a pillar. He's, he's our strong tower, right? You go through all these things, and he never leaves us or what? Forsakes us. He never abandons us. People in our life may abandon us. Dads may have abandoned us. Moms may have abandoned us. Best friends or, or siblings. There might be disagreements where you may be abandoned. But Jesus never does. His presence is always with you. And it's, it's near. It's here. It's not like this distant thing I have to chase after. Or I'm going to go my way and just invite Jesus to come along with me. No, even in John, he's talking about abide in me and I in you. If people would only know how close we are and we're one. If people would just see that we're one. This is, this is Jesus praying to the Father. And he's saying if they would just see what we have, listen, that's the promise for all of us in this room, for all of us for eternity, is that his presence is with us forever and always. So then it goes on to this, and I will give you what? Rest. So in his presence, there's, there's fullness of joy. There's peace forevermore. There's, there's fullness of rest. He's with us. There's a companionship there. There's an advocate there. He says that he goes before us on our behalf for our propitiation. Like, he's, he's, he's this, this mediator going between the judge and us saying, no, this is my boy, this is my, this is my son, my daughter. Like, this is, this is Jesus and, and his presence. We get to dwell in that. And it's, it's, not, this, it's not this distant thing. It's not this thing that's, that's earned. It's not this thing that's achieved. It's literally granted. You ask Jesus in your heart, and all of a sudden, boom, his spirit lives in you, and his presence is with you. 
that's an amazing thing. So, so this series is really introducing us into his presence transforms blank. And, and we're going to go through the next several weeks and just fill in those blanks. And some of them are up here. His presence transforms families. Like Lee and Rob have a heart for families and, and, and children to come to fulfill their destinies in Christ. His presence is what transforms families. His presence is what transforms homes and gives the peace and the rest that, that his presence promises. His presence and encounter with him changes lives. His presence transforms marriages. Imagine Jesus in the center of every one of our marriages here. There'd be a whole lot less conflict and there'd definitely be a lot less divorce. If literally our, our pillar, our foundation, our three-chord strand in the center cord is Jesus, all of a sudden it's his presence. When we begin to worship together as a husband and a wife and we start off that way or even begin again that way, all of a sudden, his presence transforms a marriage to romance and passion and intimacy and connection. Why? Because God is in favor of marriages. God loves them. So, so here's the deal. His presence transforms people and cities and nations and mindsets and systems. Like his presence transforms everything. What would it look like if we had a nation of leaders, of government leaders who are hosting his presence, encountering his presence, and encountering Jesus face to face. Our nation, our problems, our stuff would look a whole lot different. What if our boss encountered God's presence? What if our neighbor encountered God's presence? How would that look? How would our city street look? How would our, our neighborhood look if everybody on our street encountered his presence? Well, here's the thing. I think we owe Christians, I think we, as Christians, I think we owe the world something, an encounter with his presence, an encounter with a loving God, an encounter with a, a powerful God, an encounter with a God who's crazy about us, who's in love with us. Like, we owe that to the people around us. If we've experienced it, freely we receive, so freely we give. That, that's, that's, that's Christianese. Like, freely we receive, freely we give. That's our DNA. That's who we are. All of a sudden, I receive this encounter. I receive this love of the Father. I receive grace. I receive mercy. I receive these things. Now I get to freely give it out. And sometimes it's simply just portraying it through my life. It's smiling at the waitress rather than demanding things. It's saying thank you. It's, it's saying at, to the teller at, at Kroger, how's your day? Can I pray for you? That's hosting his presence. It's transforming nations by just honoring and loving people around you. Why? Because we're in love with a God that loves them. So that's the series, and I'm, I've been really looking forward to this for about six months. And, and just like, what does it look like this fall to go into a series to lead people to an encounter with his presence? Like a true encounter, a Jesus moment. Listen, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have a Jesus moment where I actually felt his presence. Not just talk about it, not just read about it in the word where these guys are encountering and having open visions and meeting angels and these things, right? But actually experience it. I want to be experiential in my walk with the Lord. I, I love the word, but I don't want to just read about it. I want to live it. I want to be it. I want to be consumed by his presence. I want to host his presence. I want his presence to transform everything and everybody around me because I'm so full of his presence. Listen, that's the point of my cup overflow. Like that's what he tells us. That's, that's a promise to us that our cup will overflow. Listen, we get so full of his presence that when we leak out, we overflow and we leak and burst out onto everybody around us. 
We're like this fountain of joy, this fountain of peace, this fountain of all the fruits of the Spirit that are living in us. So that people around us can experience that. Like, whoa, who's this crazy guy? Who's this nut on the fire department that's praying for people? And, and smiling and thanking and honoring people and living such a way of full of hope. He must know Jesus. What's inside of him? Grumpy Christianity needs to take a hike. Like grumpy Christianity needs to leave. Like if we're hosting his presence, in his presence is the fullness of what? Joy. There's life in his presence. There's hope in his presence. So we should be full of that and expressing it around us. So that's the series. So today, week one, I got to get ready for this. Okay. Let me hydrate while I'm at it. All right, so Matt and I, uh, we had this fun adventure, and this was actually early in both of our ministries. Like, we were, we were just honestly just living outwardly, probably in the first couple of years of living outwardly for Jesus at the fire department, and uh, really encountering God. The mayor asked us to speak at a church, and, uh, and we go to, we'd go to this church, and uh, we were invited to speak to the contemporary group, all right? Matt and I are thinking, Cool. We get to speak to the contemporary group, some young people, and this is going to be fun. And we get there, and the average age was 82 and a half. <laughs> We're like, it was a, in a basement, and they were having coffee and donuts, and there was about a dozen people, and, um, and there wasn't one person under 75. And uh, so anyway, we're like, oh, wow, this is the contemporary group. I'd hate to see the non-contemporary group. <laughs> so that must be the nursing home ministry. I don't know, but... But anyway, we're there, and we're, we're talking about life, and we're talking about the growth of church, and we're talking about just things like hosting his presence, and we're, and we're, we're saying all this, and we're like, you got you you to change with time. It's the same message, but it needs to be a different delivery system. It's the same gospel. It's the same Jesus, and that can never change or be negotiated. But the delivery system can. The delivery method can. So we're saying all this, and then all of a sudden, this guy comes up to us afterwards, and he's like, Loved what you were saying, son. Loved it. It was good stuff. But let me just tell you, the concrete's already shut in. These people aren't changing. They're ch- they're, the concrete's already there. It's done. I loved what you're saying, but it ain't going to change a thing. There, nothing's going to change these people. Do you remember that? <laughs> Quote, the concrete has already set in. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so, so basically, where I want to go is, like, his presence transforms mindsets. His presence transforms who we are to where we don't have to always be the same. And let me just tell you, if we get comfortable and if our history is greater than our dreams, we're already dead. If we sit here and we always sit back and say, well, the good old days this. And remember the old church this? We have to have new experiences. We have to have new mindsets. The Bible says, even in Psalm, it says this. In Psalm 43, he has given me a new song to sing. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. So, so listen, like he's giving us this new song, this new sound that where we don't have to let the concrete set in. Well, I'm setting my ways. Never going to change. No, this is, this is working for us. This is, this is good. I like it. This is comfortable. I like these people around me. I like this. This feels safe. The concrete set in. I'm not changing. 
Like God is giving you permission to dream for the more. He's giving you permission to go beyond what you think you can even do. He's giving you permission to actually go more and further than ever before. Like just because your parents didn't get there doesn't mean you can't. Like we have this thing in what Nicole said about Leah. Like literally her ceiling is the next leaders in the next ministry for children's floor. To where, listen, I've got it at this point, and Leah says, I'm not the one to take it to another level. I've got it as far as I can go. I'm, I'm tapped out. I'm maxed out. But the kids' ministries belongs here. So I'm going to resign because a new person, I feel the Lord calling a new person there so that it can excel and go to greater heights, greater depths, greater experiences, greater growth. So, so all of a sudden, she's seeing beyond what it currently is and seeing beyond and seeing the more. So, so here, let's, let's turn to uh, Romans 12.2. It says this, and, and Steve Backlin touched on this a lot last week. And it's funny, as I already had kind of this message kind of outlined and kind of laid out before last week. And I was like, wow, this is, this is going to be a great follow-up. So he talked about we are not a victim of our circumstance, right? We are not a victim of our circumstance. We're a victim of our mindset, and that's something we can change, I love what Joyce Meyer, she even talks about how joy is a choice. Choose joy. Consider it all joy, the trials you may go through, right? James 1, 2. It's what Nicole even preached about a couple weeks ago. Consider it all joy. Why? Because it builds faith. It builds perseverance. It builds these things of character. But guess what? Who is the choice up to on joy? Us. The mindset, how we view something. He talked about last week, Caleb, and how, you know, two spies see, see it with a can-do mentality. They see the land of milk and honey. They see the land of promise. They see now this is doable. This is possible. That's me. I'm the can-do. Look at this house built in 1840. This could be amazing. This could be awesome. Wow, we could have Magnolia right there, right? And then we start opening up walls, and we start discovering what's under toilets and in plumbing and in electrical wiring with bird's nests clustered in of high-voltage lines with no junction boxes. Fires just waiting to break out. One of the first things I did and my brother helped me with was install 13 linked smoke detectors in my new home. Like, yeah, we better put this on this one. So, but anyway, then there was the 10 spies that saw the can't-do. Oh, the army's bigger than us, blah, blah, blah. We can't. There's no way. We, they're mightier than us. They're, they're more technologically advanced. They're smarter than us. They're bigger than us. They have massive warfare. But what do we do? We see it from the can-do, but God. And suddenly, like, you need to start looking at systems and circumstances and people with heaven's eyes. Like, man, that is the worst person I've ever met. There is no one worse than that person, but God. He's a murderer, but God. He, he's messed up, and man, his past, he was abusive, but God. He was an alcoholic, he was addicted to pornography, now I'm talking about me, but God. He was suicidal, but God. Like, these are the things in my life that, that I had an and suddenly moment in his presence that was like a light switch that went off to where I began to see myself the way God had seen me, and I began to see God for who he truly was, not what other people had told me about. He's not just a judge. He's a caring, loving, kind God who wants to encounter you. Like he wants to actually abide in you. So, so we get here to Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Mind. There's a reason in the upper room that flames rested on their heads. 
They needed to be burned. They needed to be consumed in all-consuming fire, not just in their hearts, but in their minds. Like they rested on their heads, and I think it was because they were being consumed. Their mindsets had to shift to say, no, now you can counter me. The Holy Spirit's being poured out, and it's to you and your children and your children's children. And we don't have to put a cap on this thing. We don't have to lower our expectations for, for God to meet it. Like we get to raise ours, and God just crushes it. Like we get to take the roof off of our mindsets and the roof off of our expectations and God will still do far more exceedingly abundantly than you could ask, think, or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 promises that. Like I can dream and if I can dream it, God can do it. Why? Because it says anything you ask in my name, I'll do it. If you can think it, if you can dream it, if you can imagine it, he's going to do even more than that with it. So let's go to Matthew 9.14-17. Here's the meat of the message today. Matthew 9, 14 through 17 says this. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Don't you love it? Like Jesus, man, he's so witty, so good. When questions are presented to Jesus, have you ever noticed he's so gracious, kind, but yet witty, and he returns a question with a question? I learned that in Zig Ziglar. Like, you just never answer a question. You just return a question with a question. Where do you think Zig Ziglar learned that from? Jesus. So he's like, why don't you fast like us? And Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? <laughs> like, these guys are probably like, <laughs> of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. He's saying, listen, the groom's with you. I'm the groom. Why are you mourning? Why are you worrying about this small stuff when I'm here? Like, I'm here in your presence with my presence. And here, here it says, Jesus, um, and it says, besides, verse 16, besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. Verse 17, here's the key message for today. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old wineskin would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that they both are preserved. Now, now listen, I'm going to give you a visual here in a moment. And, and this, this visual and what a wineskin actually is actually transformed my thinking about what this verse is in the context of new mindsets and, 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 and what this really means. I always pictured a wineskin of, of like a clay jar or these, these big jars. And if you put it, it might crack. Well, actually, truly a wineskin, and we'll, I'll show it to you here, is, is a skin of an animal. And it's this graphic right here. That's a wineskin. So let me, let me describe the process of wine. I had to study this. All right, so, so in wine, you take grapes and you press them. You, you put them into a wine press. They, they, it goes into a wine vat. Then what they do is they basically filter that out and pour it into a wineskin, okay? So they filter out all the grapes and the seeds and all that, and they pour that in. Now, in order for wine to ferment, it can't have oxygen. It has to be deprived of oxygen, and then through the process, the yeast eats away the fruit and the sugars. It eats away the sugars to give it the fermentation of the alcohol, in this day, about 11 to 12% alcohol, okay? But here's the key to the wine process. And, and here's what, now we have, uh, they have fancy systems to do this, and they have um, different things. And, and what they do is, the other thing that has to happen is the CO2 has to escape. 
You have to allow for the CO2 to leave for the wine to do its due process to create wine. So, so here's the thing. Now they have these, these, these gas valves, and it's a one-way valve where, where air can't get in, but CO2 leaks out, and it's under pressure. Once the fermentation happens, it creates pressure, and the CO2 leaks out. The same thing happened in this. And what would happen was, can we get that thing to stay up? <clears throat> so, so what happens is this. So, so they sew up this, this animal skin. And, and, and then what happens is they fill it up through the neck. They fill it up with, with what had been pressed out and filtered out. They fill this. They tie it as tight as they can. And here's this process was over time, over a few week period, couple month period, and it was very warm in Philistine and, and in these areas, very warm. So it wouldn't take as long as it may take in, you know, in, a, in the process they do now. This thing would expand like a balloon, and it would stretch out and stretch out and stretch out and stretch out almost to the point where you think it's going to pop. And you could probably go take a needle to it and it would pop. And it stretches. And then what happens is once it stretches to the point, the seams begin to tear apart a little bit. And that's how the CO2 would leak out in this process. Now then what would happen is after it's ready, they would, they would pour the wine into other barrels or, or whatever they may have you. So, so then that was stretched and it would hard. It would be hardened. So therefore, it could never be used again because it had already stretched to its elasticity to create the system for the CO2 to leak out. If it had ever been used again, it would never do that process because it had already been stretched. Now, now in this process, and as I saw this visual and as I saw how it was truly done back in the time when when God uses this story to, to meet the Pharisees in these questions, all of a sudden I began to think, wow, that's powerful, that even in the seasons, we're stretched. We are stretched. And, and even in a growing season, even in our fermentation season, even in our resting season, we need to be stretched. And all of a sudden, in our mindsets, we're being stretched. Last week with Steve Backlund, some of us may have been stretched. In this faith journey of, us, of our house journey, I'm, we're, we're being stretched. We're like, God, what are you trying to teach us? Through your life story, through your testimony, through your, through your issues, through your past. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's mistakes. Maybe it's sins. You were stretched. And here's the thing. There's a purpose in that stretching. There's a purpose in us being stretched like that. Because it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's stretching you. But here's the thing, we can't keep going back to that old system. We can't be going back to that old victim mentality. We can't be going back to that negativity. That season has served its purpose. Now, guess what? We still get to enjoy the fruit from that season because we get to enjoy the wine now. There's fruit from it. Although it was tough and although it was stretching, now there's the fruit from it. We just can't go back there. Let, let, me, let me make some connections here. There's never a point where we shouldn't be stretched. And new wine is only meant for new wineskins. So this process can only happen once. Listen, we can't live off of yesterday's bread. Let, let, me, go to, let me go to Exodus here. Exodus 16. Before we get there, there was, there was a time I'm driving to the green. And I, I don't remember if Nicole was with me or, or what, but I'm driving to the green. And I look over, and across the street from the green is a Burger King. Okay? Which, by the way, is Evelyn's favorite restaurant. And uh, it was her birthday yesterday, and we were supposed to get Burger King last night, but I ended up shooting a buck instead, and we were all full from Olive Garden for lunch, because it took so long that we never even ate supper. So anyway, that was a rabbit trail, but this one's not. So I'm driving to the green. I look over, Burger King, there's a drive-thru. I see a Lamborghini 
in the drive-thru of Burger King. And I'm thinking, what an injustice. That doesn't belong. That doesn't fit. Like, you see a lime green, beautiful, decked out. I mean, black wheels, this, this beautiful Lamborghini in the Burger King drive-thru. I'm thinking, what in the world? There's certain things that just don't go together. We, you know, Burger King and Lambo, Lambos don't go together. Like, like, he definitely should have been parked at Fleming's or something. You know, valet right there, right in front where everybody can see that beautiful piece of machinery from Italy. Like, like that's how it should be. But he's in a Burger King drive-thru. I'm like, that just doesn't fit. So we get to Exodus here. And, and you talk about a faith journey. You talk about trusting and just, just resting in his presence you talk about his presence transforming a mind is the journey the Israelites went through going from slavery in Egypt to the promised land as sons and daughters. So here we get to this place in Exodus 16, and they're grumbling. And they're like, man, if we just go back to slavery, we'd know where our next meal's going to come from. If we just go back to that, why? Because that was comfortable. They were being stretched. Their wineskin was being stretched. And they wanted to go back to the old wineskin because it's what they were familiar with. It's what they felt safe in. It's what they felt good in. It's the concrete mentality. That's what they knew. But God was calling them. He's calling us to sit in high places. He's saying, come up here. I'll show you great and mighty things. He's calling us to the heavenly realms to see people and circumstances from new mindsets, from new lenses, from new glasses, to say, wow, that's not a problem. That's a promise. This nation is not a problem. It's a promise. The abortion issue is not a problem. It's a promise. Let me just tell you, that the, the, the all-out war and assault on the family unit and defining marriage, that's not a problem. It's a promise. And God rules and reigns, and he's going to be victorious. He's going to be victorious. That's how we see it. Josh Haas recommended this book. I, I was starting to get a little negative a couple years ago. Very rare for me. And I started like thinking, man, there was a talk of Korea and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, doom and gloom. Josh said, there, there's this, but, this book that I'd recommend to you, Aaron. It's called Getting Better All the Time. It's Getting Better All the Time. And it's, I think, I, and I, it's like a thousand or a hundred of the greatest breakthroughs of all time, of all time, have happened all within our generation, within the last hundred years. You're talking about mortality, fertility. You know, um, um, giving birth and actually surviving the birth versus one in two 50 years ago didn't. You, you know, one in four or one in two. It's just astronomical, these things. And I'm thinking, wow. And it's this book of just one-page nuggets of how the world is getting so much better rather than worse. It transforms our mind. So here the Israelites are coming out of Egypt, and they're in the slave mentality, and their wineskin's already been stretched. It's being stretched, and they're like, man, this is not comfortable and their gaskets are popping, but the CO2 is not leaking out yet. So, so here we get to this place, and, and the whole Israelite community, verse 1, set out from, from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, In the evening, 
you will know that, the Lord, that, that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you the meat to eat in evening, in evening and all the bread you want in the morning. Because he has heard your grumbling against him, who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Verse 9, then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. Now, now, just a little side note. Isn't it amazing that, that God and his presence, who he is, not only wants to meet our needs but also our wants? It is this amazing thing that he'd, he'd lead these people a cloud by day. And in the desert, how refreshing was that to be able to walk in the shade? It wasn't just for direction. It was also comfort. And fire by night. The desert gets very cold at night. So, again, not just direction but comfort that they would feel the warmth of heaven. So... When the dew was gone, the thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. 15, when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured in by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. God meets your needs exactly where they are. God, God takes care of everything. It says his grace is sufficient. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Verse 21, we're about done. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered, gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be the day of the Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want, to bake and to boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left, keep it until morning. And then we go to verse 31. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Now, now here, here's the thing and here's the point. We can't just live off of yesterday's bread. We have to have fresh manna. We can't live off of yesterday's experience. We can't live off of yesterday's encounters or yesterday's uh, uh, journeys with the Lord or yesterday's songs. We have to journey today. That bread's not going to last. It's not meant to last through the night. Like his promise is always every morning. So every morning I get up and I worship him as if it's a brand new day, first day with the Lord. I get up and, I, and I'm like, just last night, I'm just thanking the Lord. I was up, up, up through the night and I'm like, just Lord, you're so good. Like your presence overwhelms me. It's so good. It's so sufficient for me. It's so good. I'm so content with you. Like, this is amazing. But we can't live off of yesterday's experiences. We can't live off of the good old days. Like, the good old days are also right now. The good old days are also ahead of you. Like, that's the good old days. Your best years are yet ahead of you. Like, I just declare that and release that as a promise and a prophecy over each one of you today. Your best years are yet ahead. Like, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
Like, your best years are yet ahead. The manna was great. Like, like it's pretty cool. We get the fruit of that season. But he's calling us to new wineskins. He's calling us to new seasons that may stretch us, but they're going to serve a purpose. Let, let, me, let me finish here, and the band can come. The thing about marriage and the kingdom is I get to spend every day of my life, for the rest of my life, discovering my wife. Like, isn't that a beautiful thing? I, I get to spend the rest of my life discovering every new thing, every new thought, every, every quirk, every little weird thing, every beautiful thing. Like, that's, that's the journey of marriage. And God is calling us his bride, and he's a groom. And, and the, the joy of the kingdom is that we get to search out his mysteries. You know, I, I think it's kind of challenging to say you'll never know all the mysteries of God. That's, that's a scripture. He's talking about, like, we'll never know all the mysteries of God. Isn't it fun to try to find them, though? Isn't it fun to try to solve the mysteries? Isn't it fun to see all the different facets of God and, like, like how cool and how amazing he is? It's, it's this thing that it says it's the glory of God to conceal the matter, but it's the glory of kings to search out the matter. Like, that's the new mindset. His presence transforms us to be hungry for the more. His presence transforms us to think differently that this is a journey. Like, I am not stuck with Nicole. I'm not stuck with the old lady. It offends me when they say, oh, the old lady or the wife. Like, that, if, that, if you do that, that's fine. But for me, like, Nicole has a name, and, like, she's beautiful. And she's just not my old lady. Like, she's not just the wife. Like, she is the wife for me. But that's the thing. Like, it's this beautiful thing to where I get to rejoice and be glad in it every day. And, like, I get to be called into his presence where there's fullness of joy, where there's peace, where there's rest. That's, that's the beauty of the Lord. Why don't you stand with me? Let me end with this, this story. I don't advertise businesses much from this pulpit, nor should I. But there's this man that's really special to me, and his name's Dan Hart. And uh, Dan's helped me with our house, and <clears throat> he's out there doing security right now. You may not know him because you can spend, I spent two solid weeks with him, 12 to 15 hours a day, six to seven days a week, and we probably have four serious conversations. <laughs> He's just a quiet, humble servant. <clears throat> when the first day or two, I think it was day one of our renovation, we wanted to keep the tile in our, in our kitchen flooring, but we were redoing the whole layout of our kitchen. And... The question was, did the tile run under the cabinets or not? So we rip out all the cabinets and we discover that the tile had not ran under there. And since we were switching our layout, we, we had to get rid of it. We're like, well, can we pull tiles from here and put them where our island's going to be and, and make it work? And we just couldn't. So we're in there, we're pulling up this tile and, and some of it went really easy and, and others just went so hard. And I know there was at least four layers of flooring. Um, there was two layers of linoleum. There was original wood pine floors subfloor, and I believe it was linoleum, linoleum, cement board, tile. And that tile was like this thick. It was like a brick pattern, and it was like, it was so thick. And, and we had to get all the way down. We, we couldn't leave just part of the other floors. We, we had to get all the way down. And here's the thing with the, the wineskins, and here's the thing with the mindsets, and here's the thing with changing the way we think, changing the, the way our perspective is. When we host his presence, he doesn't want to just cover things up. For, for Our house was built in 180 years, 
ago. And for 180 years, people had just kept covering up the problem with new floors. And many times we as believers, we begin to do that. And we're like, no, we're good. We're okay. Like, I'm fine. Like, how many of you ever, ever heard that you're, you're frustrated about something, something's being dug out? You're like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. We, we have a daughter that does that. And, and even sometimes me or Nicole does it. Like, I'm fine. Just don't worry about it. I'm fine. That fine is just a Band-Aid that, that covers something up. Just like that flooring, it just covers it up. And then pretty soon you have a young whippersnapper who just turned 38 that says, you know what, I'm going to get to the root of this problem. Me and Dan, we're going to go to town. We're going to do surgery here. And I feel like that's today the Lord. He wants to do surgery on our mindset, surgery on our hearts, surgery on maybe roots or, or hang-ups. That, that we don't have to let the concrete set in. Like, it doesn't have to be, oh, the same old, same old, not going to try anything new, not going to meet anybody new, not going to have anybody new in my home, and, like, not going to try a new experience, not going to hunger for the more, just going to be happy and content where I am. Like, God has not called us to be average. God didn't call you to be normal. Like, He called you to be abnormal. He called you to be Jesus freaks. He calls you peculiar people. Why? Because when we're in his royal priesthood, we know our identity as sons and daughters, and we can hunger for heaven. And we don't have to wait for the destination of, 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 of eternity. We get to actually host heaven here by hosting his presence. So like right now, I just believe like God's wanting to remove the band-aids and remove the flooring and remove the, the old wineskins. And he's wanting to pour out these fresh wineskins and these, these fresh experiences, these fresh encounters these fresh things with his presence, with face-to-face -face encounters, to where now we, 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 are, we get to lay this brand new floor. It's gonna be beautiful. Like that's, God is, is calling you to this beautiful place, this beautiful foundation where the old has been stripped away and now you're a new creature. Now you get to think differently. You know what repentance truly means? The greatest definition of repentance is actually think differently. That you not only change from the ways that you were, but you actually think differently differently. You hear things differently. You feel things differently. That's the one thing I want to pray for you today is that these fresh experiences, these fresh wineskins in his presence over this series of the next few weeks, that you will encounter him in fresh ways. You encounter him in, in, in marriages and all these things that like your wife will smell different. She'll feel different. There'll be this, this, this hunger for passion and intimacy. There'll be this fresh beauty this fresh romance, this fresh fire, this fresh flame, and the same for our walk with the Lord. There'll be this fresh fire with you and Jesus. There'll be this fresh flame that, that the concrete doesn't have to shut in. But we get to have a fresh experience with Jesus every day. We get to host his presence. And his presence transforms everything. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you right now. We just we bless you, Jesus. Right now, just open your hearts up. God, I pray for a fresh encounter right now. Let us see you, Jesus. Let us see you with your eyes. Let us see you with your beauty. Let us see you. Let us be kings and queens searching out the mysteries, the things that have been hidden, the things that have been un unrevealed, because there's special moments for us to just discover them. So God, I pray for fresh encounters with your presence. Thank you, Jesus take it all. Just give me Jesus. You can take it all, God. All the circumstances, all the issues, all of my baggage, all the past wineskins can be totally gone. All the slavery mindset, the orphan mindset, the victim mentality can be gone because we're being called to a promised land. 
with a new mindset, with fresh manna daily, fresh bread, fresh life, hope Jesus, the hope of you Jesus, hopelessness be gone, despair be gone, depression be gone, negativity be gone, pessimism be gone, lack of faith be gone. Right now, we release your presence in this room. We release your presence in our hearts. We release your presence in our minds. Let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Let us be transformed by your presence so we can transform the spheres of influences around us.